So I have a confession to make. Uh, I did something really stupid. You ever do something really stupid and you wish you'd go back and change it? Maybe, maybe a couple of you. Last month, we were giving away gift cards at the beginning of Christmas services. And we gave away gift cards based on people answering questions correctly in our audience prior to the service. And so I was walking around asking these questions and I had gift cards in my pocket and I would be giving these gift cards out to people and they were so happy to receive gift cards. I remember giving out one gift card to a high school girl and she just seemed so happy she got a Starbucks gift card along with another person that was so happy to get the Starbucks gift card only to realize that when I'm standing in the lobby, the front lobby on their way out, that one of the people told me, you gave me a card holder. And much to my embarrassment, I, I, was, I was embarrassed about that, but I never saw the high school girl. So I was envisioning her sitting in the Starbucks drive through line, placing her order, reaching down into her card holder, realizing that the pastor ghosted her when it came to actually giving her a gift card. And I thought, man, that is not a good way to uh, handle Christmas. But it sure is a funny joke um, if you're doing it on purpose. Uh, anyway, with all that aside, I thought I would make that up. I, I, just a, one other thing to note. I saw her this past week, and I actually had three unused gift cards, and I gave them all to her. Like, I was like, here, I was like I'm so sorry. Here you go. And she was, she was really happy about it. I was like, this no card holder, straight up card. And speaking of cards, I actually have one in my back pocket this morning that I want to give away to somebody in this crowd. And the first two people that can come to this stage, I'll give either one of you this, this card holding in my hand right now. Ready, go. Whoever wants to come, come on. I mean, it's free, right? You are my kind of man. Um, I need one more, though, because the, this, this game I want to play only works with two people. And I know, like, okay, here we go. I like it. All right, I got to know your name. Max. Max. That is an awesome name. I named all my kids M, and Max was in consideration uh, because it has power to it. And with the way you ran up here, that was a power run, my friend. Very good. I have been working on that run for a long time. Max, do you want to one day do what I'm doing right now, maybe? Yep. Say it again? Yeah. Oh, Max, we're going to have to get you up here again. Yeah, so after the service, I want you to see me, and we'll have a conversation, because I think you have potential, my friend. Yeah. All right, and, and tell us your name. I'm London. London. That is an awesome name. Yeah. So we got London versus Max to determine who's going to win this card. In the, in the spirit of any, many, mighty, mo, this is how it's going to be determined, okay? Any, many, mighty, mo. Catch a tiger by his toe. If he hollers, let him go. My mother told me to pick the very best one, and you are not it. <laughs> so, Max, um, in this moment, how are you feeling? Um, feeling pretty good. I love your self-confidence so much. So, London, you are a winner, and, and, and I want you to stay up here for a second. London, how do you feel about this victory over Max? Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. <laughs> you know, your expression shows it. Uh, Max, I, I just, I, I'm telling you, I was actually intending to have one person lose on stage, but I like you so much, I'm giving you one too. 
Yeah, how does that make you feel? Makes you feel good. Hey, yeah, I saw your spirit slip. All right, y'all give me a hand. Y'all can have a seat. Thank you so much for playing any mini mighty mo. Now, um, that was really good. Yeah, I, I was so impressed. You guys, you kind of blew me away here. I don't really know where to go from there. But I do want to say that as a kid, I've made decisions that way quite often, especially when it came to tag or who was going to be it and hide and go seek or who was going to be on which team. And usually it worked out pretty well, aside from a few fist fights and arguments. It, it was a pretty good way of decision making. But we all know that when it comes to the important decisions in our life, that we can't just have an any, many, money mo approach. And I was thinking about last week in this series and Pastor Jonathan talking about filters. And last week he talked about question filters, which it was a great talk. And one of the questions he posed, I've been, I've been mulling over all week. And it was this question, when it comes to decisions, is it a 50 cent or a $50 decision? Is it a 50 cent or a $50 decision? And we all know that certain decisions, as even referenced in our welcome at the very beginning, they're 50 cent decisions, right? Like, do I wear the white shirt, the red shirt, or the green shirt today? Oh, green, obviously, right? But 50 cent decision. It really, in the big scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Or like next week, we have the Super Bowl, right? Rams, Patriots, Maroon 5. Who's your vote? Maroon 5. That's what I expected a lot of Carolina Panther fans to say. Very, very good choice. Very good choice. But uh, we all know that's still a 50-cent decision. That game's going to be played. That concert's going to be played. And then we're going to move on. And we're probably not going to think a lot about it very long. And then I think about other decisions like marriage. And Brooke and I were able to sit down with a couple this past week who we're doing premarital counseling for, and we were talking about some of the specifics of their wedding. And it was real interesting because we were talking about, like, where the bridal party was going to stand and how that was currently an issue. And I thought back to my wedding, and I thought back to our bridal party, and I was like, I can't even hardly remember who my bridal party was. I mean, some of you know what I'm talking about. And so I was thinking... Y'all, I don't mean to minimize this decision. I'm sure it seems very important right now. But I came back to this idea in the big scheme of things, where they stand is a 50-cent decision. But you guys being married and being prepared, that's a $50 decision. And when we think about decisions and those terms, it helps us determine the time we need to spend on them, the weight we need to give to them, the gravity of what they really are. Fantastic question. And speaking of marriage, Brooke and I get to celebrate 20 years next month on February 13th. Isn't that fantastic? I know. And it's even better because we're doing a relationship series next month called Hitched. So I'm like, man, they must have done that for us, you know, 20 years. But, but with all that said, I thought, would you guys like to see some wedding pictures? Was it, would that interest you at all? Okay, okay, so you're going to be, I'm just going to warn you, when you see this picture, you're going to be wondering, who is that guy? <laughs> who is that guy with Brooke? And then the second thought is, well, Brian has hair. I, 
He had hair that actually existed. I know people say it to me all the time, like, you had hair? I'm like, yes, I wasn't born. Okay, I was born bald, but it didn't stay that way. Didn't stay that way. Uh, But we have another picture here. Uh, These are both after our wedding um, because we couldn't see each other before the wedding. We stuck to that tradition. And we were, the first time we saw each other, she was walking down the aisle and I cried like a baby. Uh, And it was uh, was a great day. But this last picture I want to show you is when we're cutting the cakes. So things have been kicking along. We're at our reception. And as you look at this picture, (laughs) is there anything odd about it to you? Uh, You may notice to the left, there's a, a, a young man who is kind of hovering over my shoulder. His name is Matthew Rollins. And Matthew Rollins uh, is forever uh, in our memories because he's in our wedding book. And Matthew was in seventh grade. Some people are like, who's that man? I'm like, Matthew was in seventh grade. Now he's 32 probably now. But at the time, he was in seventh grade. And he was in the youth ministry where I was a volunteer, middle school leader. And Matthew got in trouble all the time. Like he was one of the worst kids ever. And I was always having to crack down on him. And you sometimes, you, you know kids that you just have to crack down on if you work with kids at all. I was having to put him in all kinds of, um, not initially time out, but he had to, he just had that lot of one-on-one conversations with me. But he made a connection. And so he was following me around, wanting me to break away from my wife so I could take a picture with him so he could have that. And, and yeah, it's pretty sweet. But it was like Matthew is now forever in our wedding photo. I'm like, the, 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 photographer, the photographer that day, he was even laughing. He goes, I didn't even notice him. I'm like, how do you not see that? <laughs> you should seriously question your professional ability. Anyway, all that aside, um, marriage, who you marry, is a $50 decision. And I will tell you, 20 years into it, I have no regrets. Now, after that time, and that was in 1999, we made several more $50 decisions. Four months after being married, I went into full-time vocational ministry, which means we left our church where we were serving and where we were participating. I left a job to go serve as a youth pastor. And at that time, we were living in a rental house, and we eventually moved houses. And then we started popping out babies. Um, 2001, it was Micah. 2002, it was Matt. 2004, it was Mia. 2006, it was May. And for five years, yes, my wife was pregnant. And you know what? I ate like I was pregnant during that time too, right? Some of you understand what I'm talking about. You're right there to support. And, and so we went, we went through all, all those changes in life. And let me just say, they were great, but they were stressful, and as I started reflecting back on that time period of my life and all those $50 weighty, heavy decisions and the stress that came along with that, I, c- I calculated, we got married, we moved three times, we moved um, or went to three different churches on staff. We, uh, so then we had four kids and I started adding all this up and it was like 11 major life changes in seven years between 1999 and 2006. And as I look back on it, I can see that I started to turn to things like food and more food and more food as my comfort. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And by 2006, after we'd had May, this is a picture of me with my two girls. 
which people say, oh, look at those girls. And they're like, whoa, Brian, you let yourself go there a little bit. Um, I'll tell you that, that I'll show you that picture, one, because uh, I, I, you can see visually that I, I didn't do a very good job of handling my stress well. And one of the other things that was noticeably missing were people in my life to help me make wise choices when it came to things like nutrition and exercise. I really didn't have a core close group of friends or an inner circle or a band of brothers to help me along in the process. And so in 2006, we went through a lot, we went through more changes, you know, imagine that. And God directed us from Atlanta, Georgia to the triad in North Carolina here, the Summit Church, beginning in Kernersville as the youth pastor. And here we are 12 years later. One of the things I determined to do when I came up here was to find me a band of brothers that could help push me and grow me, not only spiritually, but also physically. And I found that very quickly because I was looking for it. You tend to find what you're looking for. Am I right? And I found a group of men that would meet me to play basketball at the YMCA at 5.30 every day of the week to play basketball or to lift weights. And, and very quickly, I began to see some transformation happen with my physical body, but also mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, because they also were there to push me and spur me on and be like iron sharpening iron type friendships. And while maybe I would say that those guys are in my inner circle today, they were catalytic in helping me to become a more healthy person. And, and a lot of you, you, you know what it's like to have those people in your life that spur you on to be a better version of yourself than you are today. And I still have people like that in my life now. I have people that, that help me nutritionally, help, people, help, help me with my exercise to keep me consistent, to keep me focused, because consistency done in small doses over time adds up to big results. And so what I've discovered is I can't do this by myself. And what I've discovered for other people is they can't either. To be the best version of yourself, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, we need other people. And the CEO of Precision Nutrition, his name is Phil Car Caravaggio, I think I said that right, but he has this quote that I thought was fantastic. It's very simple, but it's, it's, it's deep. Nothing worth doing can be done alone. Nothing worth doing can be done alone. And for a lot of us, that can be hard to hear because we all have a past. And we have hurdles that get in the way of us inviting people into the journey based on a variety of things that we've experienced, like pride, self-sufficiency. Man, I'm surrounded by idiots, Brian. Have you seen who I work with? Have you seen who I go to school with? You see what I deal with every day? I'm surrounded by idiots. They're, I, I don't need more people in my inner circle. I actually need to have some people out of my circle. Brian, I, I, I got this. I, I don't need people. People make life more complicated. For some of you, you, you've had people in your life, people you were very close to, 
that for whatever reason, it went south, and you can't completely explain why the relationship went south, but the friendship or the relationship went south. And you would say, Brian, I've been burned. I've been hurt. Man, I've been, I've been dumped on. And, and so because of that, I, I'm, I'm cautious about bringing people in. Or you just have something in your life right now that you don't want to deal with, you have some kind of maybe sin or, or some kind of habit that you don't want to deal with that's become a comfort to you and that you've kind of clung to. And you would say, Brian, I, I don't want to deal with that right now. But you're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. Or, or maybe one of the other hurdles is just an excuse. I'm too busy. I don't know where to start. I really don't have time. And I would say, you probably have a valid reason for all those excuses. You probably have a valid reason to, to maybe even feel prideful on some level or to feel a have trust issues. But I want to tell you this because I care about you. You can't stay where you are and go with God. There's always a forward motion that he desires for your life. And my challenge for you is not to be stuck in the past, but to press forward into the future, knowing that better days are ahead if you do so. And, I, and I'm going to tell you that the people filters I invited into my life back in 2006 have changed the path of my life in a profound way that now I can never imagine going back. Was it hard? Yes. Did it take time? Yes. But it was worth it. And, and to help us look at what God has to say for us today, I'm going to really stick with one primary verse that comes from the wisdom of King Solomon. And King Solomon, we've talked about him in this series some, but he was a king that you can read about in 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, and 1 Chronicles. And he, he was known as the wise king. He asked God for wisdom. God gave him wisdom. But he didn't always do the wisest things, which is kind of uh, confusing because King Solomon, I mean, first of all, he had 700 wives. Can you imagine having 700 wives, gentlemen? Man, I got my hands full with one. I got all I can handle. And I love it. But 700? And he had 300 girlfriends. You know, friends with benefits. That's what they would have called it then. That's what we call it now. But he had that. They called them concubines. He had 1,000 women who were like his ladies. That is not wise. And, and I think what you learn when you look at the life of King Solomon is that you can possess wisdom yet make unwise choices based on who you put around you. And so he, he's inspired to, to write these words that I think are very powerful, that if you're a, a parent or a grandparent, you want your kids, you want your grandkids to know. And if you're a middle or high school student, you, you should memorize this verse because this verse, if you apply the principles contained within this verse, it can change the pathway of your life. It's changed mine. So we're going to check it out and we're going to break it down a little bit here in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. And he writes this, walk with wise and become wise. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. Now, 
I want to talk about what it means to walk. Walk means to go in a direction. You're like, I know what it means to walk, Brian. Walk means to literally go in a specific direction. You don't walk neutrally. I mean, I guess you could walk in place, but that's weird. But the implication here is to move in a direction, to go somewhere. And he's saying, hey, when you go with wise people, you become wise. What does it mean to be wise? Wise means to be skilled. Wise means to be shrewd. Wise means to be educated. And if you begin to walk in a direction, if you begin to go in the in direction with someone who is skilled, someone who is educated, someone who is shrewd, the principle is you will be wise. You will be educated. You will be shrewd. You will be skillful in your decision-making. It's having the people that are walking in that direction. And Solomon proves to us that you can possess that, but if you don't have the people around you to filter that, you can make foolish decisions. Because the second half of this is associate. I want to break this down. Associate means to be friends with. I I can see this being like a stall-out moment, to be friends with. It implies grazing in a pasture. Now, if any of you are grazing in a pasture later today, we're going to have to have another talk. But the implication is a sheep grazing in a pasture. Sheep are always looking for the greenest grass, regardless of the consequence or the risk they're inherent. They just want grass, more grass. And so they're looking for the greenest grass, the best grass, and they're going, and that's all they care about, without regard for the things that are happening around them, without regard for the danger happening around them. And so when you choose to associate, to be friends with, to graze with fools, people who are idiots, if you look it up, what does it mean to be a fool? It means to be an idiot. It means to be simple-minded or arrogant. You will get into trouble. What does it mean to get into trouble? One way to say this is it means to suffer harm. It means to be injured. It means to be broken. This is essentially a way of self-harm surrounding yourself with people who are fools. Oh, Brian, I want to help them. You can help people, but you can help them from a safe distance. There are times in your life where you've got to recognize I need my inner circle, my core people to be wise, to help push me in a direction of life that I want to go, to get me to an outcome that I'm going to be proud of. Because this is what's true for you and it's true for me. We can reflect back on our lives, which I've done a lot of reflecting in light of this message. And anytime I do a message, I reflect, I reflect, I reflect. And reflecting is powerful because you begin to learn more about yourself. You begin to learn about more, more about life and where you are and why you're there. But as I've been reflecting, And as we reflect, we can look back and see times in our life where where we have extreme highlights. And if I were to play a video of the highlights of your life, you would be smiling. You'd be going, oh, I remember that person that was there. Oh, I remember that girl. Or I remember mom, and I remember dad, and I remember that good friend. You would see people who are surrounding you at the highest moments of your life, and you would be smiling. It would be great. In the same time, if I were to turn around and put it in a, a, a video of your lowest moments, your worst moments, and we were to play the pathway on how you got there, there would also be people that you would look at and go, 
I wish I had never met him. I, I wish I had never met her. I wish I could take back that one night. I wish I could take back that one season where I thought I knew everything or I was going to get them back. And you would be surrounded by people that you wish you could edit out of your life. But we know that life doesn't work that way. We can't just edit it out. We can't edit those people out. So whether it's the highlights, the lowlights, people are involved, taking us in a direction of wisdom or direction of foolishness and trouble. And the principle and the idea that I want you to carry beyond today is this, is that your people pave your path. Your people pave your path. It's like Sesame Street with all the P's. People pave path. People pave path. P is the word. Your people pave your path. You're not going to forget it now. I think this is powerful. Because as we think about our current situation, the question we have to think about is, is who's our people? Who's your posse? You probably don't call them that. Who's your squad? You probably don't call them that either. Your band of brothers? Your gal pals? Who are your people? Who do you do life with? When there's a crisis, who do you call on? It's a good good question to ask. And there are people right now who are in your inner circle that you need to pull closer. You You need them closer to you. You need to pull them in. But then there's some that you need to push out. They're like they're like dead weight, like anchors that are just holding you back as you try to take steps forward. It's just like you got the potty walk going on. You know, you can't really move because they're dead weight and they need to be pushed out to a further place outside of your inner circle. There are people that need to be moved out completely. They're taking you down a pathway that you are knowing, you know what, I do not like what what I'm doing. I don't like where my life is headed. And there are people that need to be moved in. There are people you need to seek out. Just like I saw it back in 2006, the Band of Brothers, you need to pull those people in and you need to move them in into that inner circle because you need wisdom in order to be wise and to help your life take the pathway you want it to take, help, to help you have the destination you want to have. Your people pave your path. And as you think about this and consider who those people are, I want you to also think about two different categories of people. You're people with proximity. There are people that have proximity to you. When you think about the pulling in, pulling out, moving in, moving out. Those are the people that are in your family. Those are the people you work with. Those are the people you go to school with. Those are the people that you see on a regular basis in your neighborhood, the people you see at church, the people who might be in your small group. Those are the people that you have proximity with. They're also people without proximity. Those are the people that you learn from from afar, whether it's podcasts, whether it's books, whether it's social media. They're people you can learn from from afar. They may be their friends that you used to be close with that live in another state or live in another country, but you keep track with them because they help you grow in wisdom. Or maybe you need to cut them out or push them out because they move you toward trouble, but there are people with proximity, without proximity. Brooke happens to be 
my number one inner circle person, it is very appropriate for your spouse to be in that place. They should be that number one person. And she is a filter for so many decisions in my life. I do bounce so many ideas off her. And most of the good decisions, she's, she has her fingerprints all over. Sometimes she hits me with truth bombs, y'all. It doesn't feel good. It's like, bah, you know, and like stupid idiot. She didn't call me. She never calls me that. <laughs> That's me talking to myself. That's bad self-talk. Don't do that. But, but it helps me to make wise decisions, bouncing things off her. She has the gift of input. I need to invite it. She is in that inner circle with proximity. The people that in my life without proximity are a lot of times people that I listen to on podcasts or through books. I'm listening to a book right now called Didn't See It Coming by a guy named Kerry Newhoff. And the first couple chapters are all about cynicism and how when you get into ministry or work or life, you, you don't see the cynicism that can creep in and you don't see it coming but it creeps in so easily to where you can become cynical. And I was like, oh my gosh, I saw times in my life where I've started to become cynical. And I'm like, how does he know me? And so Carrie is speaking into my life from Canada, because that's where he lives. I've met Carrie one time. A lot of the people I listen to, I've never met. But he is having a place in my inner circle right now because I'm listening to him every day speak to me as I'm driving down the road, as I'm listening to this book on Audible. It's pretty cool. You have that same kind of resource. And there's some of that stuff that you see online or from afar, you need to push out, but some of it you need to pull in, you need to go grab because wisdom can be found there. And that will help maybe change your pathway because your people pave your path. One more filter I want to throw out to you and when it comes to these people filters and who you should choose and who you shouldn't choose. And that goes back to Jesus and a verse that we talk about a lot here at the summit. But what Jesus said to his disciples before he left, and he basically said, I'm giving you one command. In the Old Testament, you guys had like 600 and something commands. Impossible. But I'm going to give you one uh, command, which is far simpler, but far more demanding. And he said this to his disciples right after um, he washed their feet and right before he went to the cross. And he said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. And I share this with you because this is the love filter for our people filters. We need to be thinking about our people filters. Are they moving us more toward loving others or pulling us away? Moving us toward, pulling us away. If our inner circle is moving us more toward loving others, like Jesus loved us, hey, giddy up, let's turn up the volume on those friendships. But if they're taking us away from loving others, we need to turn the volume down or maybe mute them all together or move them out. We just celebrated Martin Luther King Day this past week, and there's a great quote that he has that I think captures this idea very well. And this is what Dr. King said. He said uh, in regards to this, life's most persistent and urgent question is this. What are you doing for others? As you look at your inner circle, what are they doing for others? If they're, if they're serving others, if they're loving others well, including you, man, that is a turn up the volume type friendship. Those are the kind of people you want in your life to help pave your path toward a more preferable future. Your people pave your path. 
make sure they're taking you down a path where a love filter is applied because it'll take you to a destination that is preferred. I want to finish our time together by telling you a couple stories. I had a fantastic conversation last week with a guy who's in my couples group. This past November, we started a new couples group, and we three of the couples in the group we were, were new to me. Um, I knew a couple of the others, but I loved being a part of that group. And we're all circling back up again in February. And I'm going to tell you one of the things I loved about the group is I, I was able to meet new people and, and get new insights that I hadn't gotten before. And sometimes it's one of the great things about inviting some new people into your circle. But I was talking to one of the guys who was in our circle, and his name is Teddy, and some of you may know Teddy. But Teddy and I were talking about group. And he said, Brian, um, I was thinking about this whole idea of the 50 cent versus the $50 decision. And he said, one of the things that I've decided for February is group is going to be a priority. And some of you are like, well, that's a good thing. And, and I would say, absolutely it is. Because what you need to know about Teddy is Teddy is a very good soccer player. He loves to play soccer. And the day we meet for group is when his soccer league has games. And so he was sitting in the service, and last week, and I know he's probably kicked this around with his wife, but he said, you know, I've started to think about group and, and what you were talking about in relationships and marriage and my soccer league and, my, and, my, and these games. And he said, group is a $50 decision and my participation in it. My participation in these soccer games is 50 cents. He said, so for February, he said, I'm going to be at group because it's $50. And I thought, I was floored. Because do you know how many people blow off group or blow off a church service because of recreational sports? A lot. And I'm like, you're my new hero. That is phenomenal. $50 decision. Wow, what are you communicating to your wife? What are you communicating to your family about what is most important by you making that decision? A lot. I'm blown away. The other story I wanted to tell you is this. We just had our fourth child turn 13 um, this past uh, Friday, May. So now we have four teenagers in our house. Yay. Yay for hormones. But, but May is a, a phenomenal child. I know I'm biased, uh, but she is, I'm so proud of her and, and who she's becoming. And one of the things we ask people to do that have had influence, have been part of May's inner circle, is to write letters, letters of wisdom, women who are further down the road, to write letters of wisdom about what um, they would like, like to pass on to May, what they see in May, um, what they maybe wish they had known when they were 13. And so we had them do this, and we were able to present her those letters this past Friday. And behind me, I actually have her box of letters, which is right here. Really easy to pick up. But I'm going to actually squat down on one knee and open this up. And I'm not told I wouldn't read any of the letters out loud here today. But contained in this box is letters full of wisdom from women 
who now are part of her inner circle. And for years to come, she can draw on this. And as a parent, um, I can't tell you how awesome it is to have this in her life. Because we know that as mom and dad, Brooke and I both know that we, we, we're not enough. And we also know that nothing great can be done by ourselves. That anything of value needs other people involved in the process. And that sometimes when you're 13 or when you're 18, you don't want to hear what mom and dad have to say. You want to hear what someone else has to say. So we have that. The other three items here I have, um, these are Mia's letters right here in this box. And then we have some more wisdom here with Micah's letters. And we have Matt's letters. And what that starts to stack up to is a lot of wisdom being poured out into the life of our kids. A lot of wisdom that they can draw back on for years to come. And these are all written to them at the age of 13. I hope that wherever you are and for the people you influence, you will take your next step in making sure that your people are the right people positioned in the right place. Because there can't be, there's not really a more important decision than when it comes to determining where you end up in life. And, and one of the verses I want to share with you also came from Solomon in regards to this is in Proverbs 15, 22, And he wrote this. Plans go wrong for lack of advice, but advisors or many advisors bring success. See, your people pave your path. So who are your people? And who do you need to move in? And who do you need to move out? Who do you need to pull in closer? And who do you need to push out? Because nothing great, nothing of value can be done alone. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your wisdom. And as the Summit Church and here specifically in Jamestown this morning, I pray that you would give us people, that you would bring people to mind that we need to pull in and that you would help us to be wise in who we choose to be our people filters to make decisions, those $50 decisions. I thank you for the collective wisdom in this room. And as we take next steps as a church, as we, we springboard into the future, I pray that more and more people would make the choice to, to insert themselves into groups and, and put themselves around people that help them go to a preferred future. So we thank you for your presence with us always. And we thank you for this time this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.